How much is your reputation worth to you? Would you give up your good name for monetary profit? The book of Proverbs says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Businessman and celebrity Donald Trump has been an outspoken opponent of President Obama. He's publicly stated that he's going to stand in opposition against all the administration's policies, and he's even questioned the president's country of birth. It seems Donald Trump doesn't care what other people think about him. It seems to me that Donald Trump just says what he wants to say and does what he wants to do, regardless of the repercussions that might come his way. But last year it was reported that uh, Mr. Trump was approached by his children in a very loving way to tone down his criticism of the president. They respectfully told their father that his strident opposition against policies and politicians and against uh, the administration was actually hurting his reputation and the reputation of his family. So he backed off, if you've noticed, his bashing of Obama. Donald Trump has found an enormous amount of success by risking his finances so that he might gain an enormous amount of financial return. He has no problems putting money out on the line, even knowing that he may not get it back. But when it comes to his notoriety, he was willing to put aside his ego and hold back his fiery temper and squelch his opinions because he didn't want his reputation stained. You know, it would make him a lot of profit to go on to some news programs and to be on some channels that would air his opinions of being against the president. It would make him a lot of money and give him a lot of celebrity status. But since his children had asked that he tone it down, he recognized that there's something more important riches. And that is a respectable name. And I, I think Donald Trump is learning that a good name is more desirable than great riches. And to be esteemed is better than riches or gold. You know, I'm sure you discovered by now that the opinions that people have of you and the reputation that you may have may not be totally accurate. It's just a perception of who you are. It may not be a true representation of your character. For example, Jesus ate with notorious sinners of his day. He met with them and he even befriended them. And the religious establishment said, this can't be someone who claims to be holy, meeting with people who are unholy. They came to... Um, a final conclusion, that Jesus must not be the Son of God and therefore He's not holy. But you know, the character of Jesus told us something different, even though the reputation of the religious leaders of the time tried to explain away His divinity. You may remember that even though Jesus visited with people that were entrenched with sin, He never participated in that sin with them. And his character told us a very different story of what the religious leaders assumed about who he was. UCLA's old basketball coach, John Wooden, had said, Be more concerned with your character than your reputation. Because your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what others think you are. I think like Jesus, our reputation can be built on some false assumptions. Unlike Jesus, though, I think there's a part of our negative reputation that just happens to have a little bit of embedded truth 
that's found within it. And I think as Christians, it should be our desire to rise above the reputation, establish ourselves with the character of Christ, and begin to lift Jesus Christ up by the way in which we live our lives. And I think the way in which we live our lives, people will begin to form their own interpretation of how we live, and you will gain a reputation. But maybe you've walked in this room today, and your reputation is not that great. As a matter of fact, it's pretty poor, and it's being held against you, and it's something that's been locked on to you, and you can't seem to break ties with this bad reputation that you've gained over the course of living the way you wanted to live. I think there's no greater person to turn to in the Bible to see how you break away from a bad reputation and how you leave regret behind and walk away from guilt than what we find in the Apostle Paul. In the book of Acts, in chapter 9, it tells us about Paul's notorious relationship that he had with Christians. His reputation was poor. It says, Saul, who we later know now as Paul, was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. You know, we have no idea how many Christians Saul had killed before he accepted Jesus as his Lord. There's all sorts of ideas out there that he wasn't really the one that did the murdering. He was just the one that instigated it. But whatever it was, the Apostle Paul, who was known then as Saul in his past life, had blood on his hands. And his murderous reputation preceded him as he gave his life to Christ. People didn't really trust who he was. And if he wanted to get rid of that bad reputation, he was going to have to demonstrate something completely different than he ever had before. But here's what I want you to see. That regardless of the poor standing that Paul had, he was able to shake free from it. And his past wasn't able to hold him back. And the guilt and the regret that he had from all of his days of living the ways in which he wanted to weren't able to keep him from doing something great in the name of Jesus Christ. But friends, it took a turn. He had to give his life over to Jesus. He had to become a new creation in Christ. He couldn't settle for who he once was. He had to become something new. And Jesus gave him the power in his weakness to do something great through it. Maybe that speaks to you today. Because you've walked in this room today and you say, I'm trying to break free from something of my past. I'm trying to change my life around. Or maybe you've said, I've given my life to Christ and my life has been changed around, but I still got this poor reputation that seems to follow me wherever I go, and I can't seem to break free of it. Maybe you've been divorced, and you now have the reputation, in some case, that you're not going to be faithful to your next spouse. Maybe you've cut corners at work, and you didn't do it a whole bunch of times, just a few times, but now everyone in your work crew and your management now looks at you and says, they're lazy. Maybe you looked at some other student's exam paper, and you were caught, and in your class, you're known and have the reputation of being the cheater. Maybe sometime in life, you filed for bankruptcy, and now you got the reputation that you can't pay your bills. Maybe you come from another congregation and now you find yourself attending here more frequently than the other. And back at the other congregation, you now have the reputation of being a church hopper. Maybe you've preached one long sermon and now you have the reputation of being a long-winded preacher. <laughs> for your sake and for Christ's sake, we want our reputation to change to match our character more than to match who we used to be. 
And if we're Christian people, I don't want my reputation being attached to who I once was. I want my character now to form something new. And I hope that's your case as well. For Saul changed his reputation to the distinction that we know him now as the Apostle Paul. And I want to share with you some ways in which he did that. Number one, Paul was characterized by his consistency. If you want people to recognize that you've changed, then you need to demonstrate that change consistently. In the New Testament book of Acts, in chapter 20, Paul is saying goodbye. He's on his third missionary journey. It's his final journey of the known world. He's older in age, and he understands that there's not much time left for him. And so he's in a hurry to get to the city of Jerusalem to continue on his travels, but he's got to say farewell to some people that have been instrumental in his life. He's met up with some leaders in the, Ephesians, in the church of Ephesus, and he knows that those men whom he's traveling with, he'll never see again. He'll never come back that way. That Paul will probably die off before he ever makes it back. And so he looks to that group who he's traveling with, those church leaders that have become attached to his heart, and he just begins to talk about the past, and he begins to talk about the present, and then he looks to the future. Today I want to look at the past. And Paul says in verse 18, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came in the providence of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. Now he had just ended three years of ministering with this group of men in the city of Ephesus. Now that, that city no longer exists, exists by its title anymore, but it's still found by another name, and it's just on the west coast of the country of Turkey. But during that three and a half years of ministering, older in age, he was tempted to give up and to quit and to abandon his faith. You see, people from his old way of life came back. His old friends reminded him of his old past and said, Paul, you really haven't changed. And his new friends, those Christians, they were skeptical about his newfound faith and they wondered if he had really changed. So he's caught in the middle of it. And I think anytime we're put in a position where we're trying to redeem our reputation we have this kind of resolve that's human nature within us that says you know what i'm going to show everybody in my circle i'm going to prove to them that i'm not the same person anymore but that's not the way the apostle paul took on his change he wasn't out to prove to people that he had really been a new creation in jesus christ he didn't go out saying i'm going to show them that i've changed he stayed consistent with Christ, and he stayed committed to following Christ, and that ripple effect happened to change his reputation around. He was more concerned about following the characteristics of Christ than he was about making sure that everyone else perceived him in a good light. You know, perhaps one of the greatest testimonies that we can have as Christians is seen in our consistency of how we walk with Christ, consistently being faithful. You know, as I wrote this sermon last week, I thought of so many of you by name, and I would have loved to use one illustration after another illustration about how you have remained faithful in moments of trying times, and you stayed consistent in your walk with Christ. Some of you that 
Never shut down your faith for temporary happiness. Or never abandon the Lord when you were unsure of His leading. You never gave up on your walk with Christ, even though you saw some daunting challenges and you saw some of His standards that were so lofty and so high and you said, with Christ, all things are possible. And you didn't back away from it. There's something so powerful when the Christian is able to say, I have been consistent in following Christ. Jesus says in Revelation 2, verse 10, Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I'll give you life as your victor's crown. Understand that Paul's goal wasn't to shed his bad reputation in the hopes that people would perceive him differently. Paul had one goal in mind, and that was to follow Christ, and that was to follow Him consistently. And because he followed Christ consistently, a new reputation gained for him. He no longer was the man that killed Christians. He was the man that was now living for Christ. And when you become more concerned about following Christ than just clearing up your bad name, you're going to find that your reputation will slowly but surely begin to be healed. And Jesus will begin to be lifted high and lifted up and And you'll find consistency in your walk and people will recognize that that comes from Christ. Is your life characterized by consistency? I think there's some truth of transformation that's found in how well we follow after Jesus, how consistent our walk with Him is. Here's the second thing that Paul demonstrated in proof of his transformation and proof that his life was really characterized by Christ and that was He exhibited humility. Probably no other human trait is harder to fake than humility. The news website Live Science published some research that they did on a sociological study, and uh, what they found out was exactly what Jesus had taught was true, is that humble people are more willing to lend a hand than their arrogant counterparts. Now, it doesn't seem like you'd have to have a scientific research to do that, but They did, and they found out exactly what Jesus taught, that humble people are more willing to lend a hand. Let me read to you some of the findings of that report just briefly. It says, humble people are more down-to-earth people than arrogant people. But that doesn't mean that humble people think poorly of themselves. In fact, rather than being insecure or reserved, humble people seem to be categorized and characterized by an accurate view of themselves. They understand their strengths, and they understand their weaknesses, and they're comfortable with them. Go back with me to Acts chapter 20. Look at verse 19, and let's see what Paul has to say. He says, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plot of my Jewish opponents. You know, it wasn't that Paul thought less of himself. It's that Paul thought of himself less. And that's why he was a humble figure. He followed after the characteristics of Jesus who humbled himself and became obedient to death, even even death on a cross. And Paul showed that characteristic of Christ by lowering himself and becoming humble and displaying that his old reputation was no longer affect him. He was now going to be personalized and stamped like Jesus. Now, I know some of you in this room, you have a reputation that has preceded you, and it's not a reputation of Christ. My question for you this morning is this. Are you willing today to follow after Jesus 
put yourself under Jesus Christ and walk consistently with him and let that deal with itself and let your reputation heal itself that way? Or are you more concerned about what people think of you and less concerned about how you walk with Christ? Forbes magazine recently did an interview with a guy by the name of Warren Buffett. He's like the richest guy in the world. And after meeting with him, they put together uh, what they considered to be the greatest of all traits that a leader could demonstrate. They concluded after that interview that the number one trait of all leaders that makes them successful is the human trait of humility that tops the list. They say even self-deprecating humility, like Warren Buffett shows. They say the reason why leaders are successful when humility is at the top of the list is because they become vulnerable And vulnerability creates trust quickly. Trust that's earned quickly through peers, through clients, and they're able to make sales quickly and able to do broker deals swiftly because they're trusted immensely. Now, here's what the article stated, that the humblest leaders are successful because, now catch it, they have a thorough understanding of who they are. They understand their strengths and they understand their weaknesses. The Apostle Paul He went before he met Christ with a philosophy of, I have it all figured out. I don't need anybody anybody to help me. And after he met Jesus, he had a new mentality. That mentality was, I don't have any of this figured out, and I'm going to need some help here. And in the humility of Paul, he thoroughly understood that in his weakness, he needed God's strength to pull him through to cast out his old life, to become a new creation in Christ. You see, Paul's attitude was, Lord, I can't do everything, but I can do something. He wasn't going to let his past hold him back. His attitude was, Lord, I don't have all the gifts, but I've got some of the gifts. He wasn't going to let his poor reputation keep him from serving the Lord. His attitude was, Lord, I don't have all the opportunities, but I've got some opportunities, and I'm going to serve you with all of my heart. He didn't let the things that characterized him back when he was Saul affect him who he was today as Paul. And because of that humility, God was able to get a chance to use him. Friends, what I'm saying is, if you do not humble yourself, you're not giving an avenue for God to use you in great ways. You see, pride puffs us up, and it says, I don't need God. Pride puffs us up and says, I don't need the church. Pride puffs us up and says, I've got it all figured out. Don't tell me what to do. If that's your mentality today, I would bet to say you're on a road that's going to lead to failure and to regret in life. But friends, when you let God speak into your life, when you let God communicate to your heart, when you allow Christians speak to you, you're allowing God to speak to you. And He wants to say something to you. He wants to lead you somewhere. He wants to have you involved in this great life that he's planned for you. But you've got to humble yourself to do that. And I think some of the stickiness of why we don't do that lies in selfishness. We're so selfish sometimes. And so much selfishness leads to regret. We just do things because we want to do it, not because God wants it for our lives. And then we have a prideful expectation that if we stand over here and we are in sin and create this lifestyle of sin, we expect God to come over here and still be a blessing to our lives. And it's in our pride that we say, God, I'm over here, come join me. And God's not going to go to your den of iniquity. 
God's saying, I've already established my platform. It's the right platform. Why don't you humble yourself and come over here and join me and get a new stance? A stance of righteousness. And it's the humble person that says, I'm going to walk away from what I once knew. And I'm going to go to what I now found to be right in Jesus Christ. Now, is your, is your life exhibiting the greatest traits of the human quality? Humility. For it's that trait that leads to success, to break away from your past, to say, I don't have it all figured out. I'm weak, and I need someone who's strong. And that strength comes from the Lord. Here's the last way to break free from your bad reputation. Here's another way to see that you've been truly transformed. And that is, look back at the Apostle Paul again and see how, how he lived his life. And that is, he was fearlessly living out his faith. He fearlessly lived out his faith. I mean, this was what changed Paul's reputation around probably the greatest. Not just his consistency or his humility, is that he wasn't afraid to speak out in the name of Jesus Christ. He wasn't afraid to say no to the things that were ungodly and yes to the things that were right in, his, in this world. Acts chapter 20, verse 20 says, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul's saying, I'm, I wasn't embarrassed to tell you the full truth about Jesus. I wasn't embarrassed to tell you about how he lived or the teachings that he brought to us. I wanted to spare you from hurt, and I wanted to help you in life. So I laid out everything that Jesus taught, and I taught it to you so that you would be spared from living a life of regret. You see, Paul had walked down that road once. He'd walk down the road of regret. He'd walk down the road of living life for himself. And he says, I don't want that for you. And now Paul says, I'm going to live boldly for Jesus. You hear how he put it? I taught Jesus publicly. I taught Jesus privately. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. And I'm not ashamed of living like Jesus lived. And then he points out an example. In Acts chapter 20, move down to verse 31, the example that he gives that he's been consistent in his walk and that he has lived out his faith fearlessly. He says, So be on guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Look at verse 33. I have not coveted anyone's silver, gold, or clothing. That's an interesting example that Paul uses to promote his righteousness amongst the people. He's saying, look, I'm not one that has been known for sinning since the day I've come to Christ. Actually, I've tried to keep my life as pure as possible. And then he points out, see, I've never coveted anyone's silver or gold. That's interesting to me. Because I can look over the Apostle Paul's life and see some other areas that he's done really well in. And I could say, man, that seems like a pretty good example to say that you're almost spotless in your walk with Christ. But he points out, I've never coveted. It makes me wonder why. So I did a little study this week. I came to find out that covetousness was known then as the root of all sins. That sin starts with coveting. That makes sense to me because 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, the love of money causes all kinds of evil. Covetousness. Some people have abandoned the faith because of wanting more money, but they cause themselves so much sorrow. And Paul says, I, I haven't coveted. I don't have even the root of sin in my life. 
anymore. That might sound braggadocious to some of you, but Paul was just genuinely stating a fact of his life. I wonder if that could be said of us. There's not even the root of sin in me. You can look in my life and it's above reproach. There's nothing in my life that even has the appearance of evil within it. To fearlessly follow Christ, that I'm going to hear my life to God's standards rather than to my own desires. You know, I'd bet to say today, the reason why there's so much regret in this room and guilt from past lifestyle is because we always haven't focused on God leading us. But I think regardless of the regret that you might have or the guilt that remains in you, I want you to know that God's in love with you. And right now, you may not be in love with yourself. And you may be trying to make some changes and break away from an old reputation. And God says, you come to me, and I'm going to help you become a new creation in Jesus Christ. I'm going to create something different in you. And regardless of what your old friends say, I think differently of you. You can do great things if you give up and come to me. If you can find some humility within you and pronounce yourself as weak, I can make you strong. We can do something great together. And then God points out through Jesus, here's some ways to keep yourself free from hurt and free from pain. Just live like Jesus lived and those sorrows and those consequences won't be there anymore. But live like Christ. Friends, when you let God lead, you're going to start practicing what Jesus preached and you're going to fearlessly live out your faith. And doesn't it seem like every time we step out of the standards of God is when hurt and pain and guilt and regret and even poor reputations begin to happen. But when you let God lead, you begin to practice what Jesus preached. I heard a story about a man that was at the airport and he had forgotten his watch, so he looked all around the terminal to find somebody that had a watch that could tell him time. He found a guy, and the guy had a really neat watch on. The fellow was carrying a couple suitcases, and he said, hey, well, what time you got? The guy put it down in a suitcase. He said, well, what country do you want? The guy said, well, how many countries you got on that thing? He said, I got every country that you want. I got the time zones for everything. The guy says, wow, that's, that's really neat, right there at the fingertips. He said, yeah. He said, actually, this watch is a GPS. It's got... Uh, a fax that you can do on it. You get an email. You can receive satellite television on it. It can display it all right here on this beautiful high-definition colored screen. Guy says, that's incredible. I haven't really seen a watch like that. I mean, that's, that's a pretty amazing watch. You know, would you be willing to sell it? Fellow <laughs> says, well, you know, um, novelty's kind of wore off on me. Yeah, like, you give me $300 right now, and I'll, I'll take it right off and give it to you. That's 300 bucks. No, no that, that's easy. Pulls out his wallet, comes up with three $100 bills, lays them in the guy's hand, puts on the new watch, he begins to walk away, and the guy says, holding out the suitcases, fellow, don't you want the batteries? You know, I think sin can look so attractive at times, and then we soon realize there's a lot of baggage that goes along with it. Sin can be so tempting and so happening, and yet we forget about the long-term baggage that goes along with it. And maybe you're someone here today, 
and you desire a new beginning. You have baggage from your past, and you want to break free from the things that are holding you back. And maybe you're stuck in the past, and you can't find a present, or you can't find a future. Isn't it true that sometimes past relationships ruin present relationships? And maybe the past relationship that you had with sin is ruining this new relationship that you're finding with Jesus Christ. And maybe for some of you, you have this mentality that says, well, I can't be used by God. God would never use me. I can't break free from this reputation that I had or from my past. I'm just going to go back to it. There's no way I can climb to the standards that God wants me to climb to. Friends, that's the kind of talk that carries around baggage and guilt. If you're going to carry that stuff around, you're going to have regrets in life. You're not going to find genuine happiness. God has so much more meaning for your life than what you actually believe for yourself. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it tells us what Jesus Christ did for us. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Did you catch it? God made him sin, made Jesus sin, so that you wouldn't have to bear the sin. Colossians goes a little further in its explanation. In chapter 2, verse 14, it tells us that having written, having canceled the old written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, taking our sins away, and he nailed it to the cross. Some of you are still walking with sins from your past and you're not able to to rip free from them. The Bible says, the Bible says he took it away. I wonder if some of you have have just released it, have you released it to him? And he nailed it to the cross. He's not heaping more guilt upon you. He's not putting regret into your life. As a matter of fact, Jesus is saying, I've come to set you free from that stuff. You don't have to walk in it anymore. You don't have to let that define who you are. You don't have to let your past become your present. Christ came so that we would be new creations. That the old would be gone. And that the new would come. One of my favorite scriptures is from Psalm 32, starting in verse 5. It says, I acknowledged my sin. Do you catch the humility there? I acknowledged that I had been disobedient against God. I'd been in rebellion against Him, and I didn't cover it up. As if to say, I could hide something from God. I just exposed it. And I said, I'll confess my transgressions. And I'll do that to the Lord. And you forgave. You forgave. What's it say? The guilt of my sins. You took away the baggage of my sins. When I said, I'm weak, I need you to make me strong. I haven't been consistent, and I want to walk faithfully. I haven't lived out my faith fearfully, but I want to now. You took away that regret, and you allowed me to walk in the freedom of Jesus. You know where that starts? That starts with the belief that Jesus Christ, who lived 2,000 years ago, truly was the Son of God. 
and that he did die on the cross in Calvary outside the walls of Jerusalem. And he rose again on the third day. And to know that he would have done that, even if you were the only one, the only one who had committed sin. And to couple that belief with baptism, to share in Christ's death, his burial, and resurrection, to leave your old self dead so that a new life can rise in Jesus Christ. In your, your past, Christ says, you're broken free from it. Your reputation? Well, you let your, your consistent character of Christ, you let that speak for itself and your reputation will heal. Friends, I can't think of anything better to do today than start fresh.